right, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Noble Man Podcast. We're continuing our tailgate series featuring Dr. Brian Autry. Dr. Autry is the executive director of the SBC of Virginia. He's also the founding pastor of my home church. He presented this message at our Charlottesville tailgate in the spring of 2021. Let me tell you about the message. Guys, COVID has created a crisis for the entire globe. Every one of us has felt it differently, but Brian's going to walk us through the story of Jehoshaphat and give us an outline for how to deal with the crises, the various crises in our own lives. Here's why. Crisis is always around us. You're either in one, coming out of one, or headed into one, and you're going to need some help from God to get through it. Let's listen in to Dr. Autry's message. And uh, Dr. Brian Autry was my pastor for a number of years. He baptized all four of our kids and married our son um, uh, about, what, 16 months ago, something like that. And it seems to have took because our first grandchild was born about a month and a half ago. So um, we were excited for that. As a matter of fact, when they announced it, it was right after COVID came out and uh, they got us a mug that says, uh, we didn't practice social distancing. There's a baby on the way. So... Um, this man is good. When he marries them off, he gets them all. Uh, he goes start another family. So I'm excited that uh, Pastor Brian is here. I'm thankful for his investments in my life and so many others. Guys, welcome up Dr. Brian Autry to speak to us tonight. You know what? Um, Mike's oldest son's name is Tim. And uh, when, uh, my phone rang one evening and my wife said, uh, who was that you were just talking to? I said, it was, uh, it was Mike and Stacy's son, Tim. And and my wife knew that 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 the kids that those kids had just gone off on their honeymoon, and she, is everything okay? And I said, actually, they had a huge fight. That's what he's calling. Me. I said, no, she her face, she just went her face, man. It was like it was like I you know someone had just thrown cold water all over. I said, no, 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 no. I said, actually, he just called to tell me that they had had a great. Hun- I've never had a kid that I did a wedding for call me on the way back from his honeymoon and say, man, pastor, thank you so much. So one of a kind right there. And uh, so it's been my privilege to know the young family a long time. Man, it's good to see you men tonight. Thank you, pastor, for the word. And um, what I want to do to kind of close out our night this evening is, uh, is pastors already taught with us this evening about how we need to make sure that we are plugged into the true power. Amen. And, that, that we never, ever again are ashamed that the gospel is the power of God because it's unto salvation. And I know we could have all kinds of testimonies here shared tonight about how God has changed your life. And you know, what I'm reminded of is, is Paul told us in Romans 15, 4, he, he reminded the people, he said, you know, he said, back in what was previously written, those scriptures were given for your encouragement, for your endurance in the faith. So what I want to do in these closing moments is I want to introduce to you, maybe you know him well already, a, the friend that I really got to know well this past year, a friend from the Old Testament. Because that's what Paul was talking about. He was, he was telling us, that, you know, these Old Testament scriptures, what, what we read about in the New Testament, when you go back and read the Old Testament, man, and the Old Testament just comes alive with examples of how the power of God has been at work. And this person that I really became friends with this past year, he's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you want to look at that with me, you can. If not, I'll read it for you. But you might want to pull it up and look at it with me or just make a note of that or just remember that or jot it in the notes page of your phone. But his name is Jehoshaphat. He was a king of Judah. And the reason that I really found myself walking and spending time learning from Jehoshaphat this past year 
was because, let's face it, we've, we've used terms like unprecedented, haven't we? We've used terms like historical. I mean, we, we've had our lives impacted these past 12 to 14 months. And I tell you, when it really hit home for me was, was and this. Does everybody know what this is right here? Everybody know what that is? In fact, I tell you, last year at this time, there's no way my wife would let me walk out the house with all this toilet paper. I mean, I knew, I knew something was getting real. As, did this happen where you lived? I knew something was getting real. When my, my wife called me and she said, she said, Brian, she said, you need to, you need to run, run, up, run by the grocery store, would you, on your way home? Run by the grocery store and see if you could pick up, pick up some toilet paper for us. See if you could pick up some, some extra toilet paper for us. So, so, so she tells me, go by there. And, and, I'm th and she says, pick up some toilet paper because so-and-so, a friend of mine, said that they're, that they're running out of toilet paper. I, I was like, woman, are you crazy? I was like, what do you mean running out of toilet paper? This is the United States of America. We don't run out of toilet paper in the United States, all right? I said, it's crazy. What are you talking about? And I remember I turned the corner, and I went down aisle number 10 at the Publix where I live. And I was like, holy smokes. I have never seen this in my life. I saw absolutely no toilet paper. You couldn't even get Kleenex nose tissues. You couldn't even hardly find paper towels. I also knew it was getting real, Gordon, when all of a sudden I saw my wife cutting up paper towels into tiny little pieces and putting them in the bathroom. Because my son Mark is with me tonight. He's 19. We had three, three, uh, three of our children, 20, 18, and 13 at that time living in the house, and my wife had, had them under austerity measures early on. I knew we were in something, all right? And, you know, what kind of man am I if I can't even provide toilet paper for my family? I mean, what kind of, what kind of position does that put me in? I tell you, you know what, how I felt in a word? I felt powerless. I mean, what was I going to do about it? I mean, for the first time in my life, and it's a silly illustration, but I'm telling you what, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Man, we're in a crisis. And here's, and here's what I want to point out to us this evening, men. Here's been my fear for the church these past 12 to 14 months is that we're going to waste the crisis. We're going to waste this crisis. We're going to come out of this crisis, and we're coming out of it. Numbers are around 700 a day cases in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We're coming out of the crisis, all right? Bottom line is this, man, don't, don't miss out on what Jehoshaphat teaches us in 2 Chronicles 20. He's, he says this. He cries out to God, and he says this in verse, in verse, in verse 12. He says, he says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I want to ask you tonight, men, where do you put your eyes when you find yourself in a problem? Man, Jehoshaphat, it's amazing. Jehoshaphat was no weakling. In fact, you go back and do a little bit of research on this. Jehoshaphat was facing an invasion, chapter 20 at the beginning tells us, from an enemy army. Now, what's interesting is the army of Judah was about as big as it had ever been. In fact, in fact, I, I read that, that you could muster, in chapter 17 of 2 Chronicles, you could muster over a million fighting men for Judah. Well, Asa, you just go back one generation, Asa, he only had 580,000 men in the army. 
Go back to Rehoboam in 2 Chronicles chapter 11. They only had 180,000. He had over a million men, yet he knew he was in a situation where he needed something more than what his soldiers could provide. And the Bible tells us something that really no man wants to have to admit. In verse 3, the Bible says, and this is the king, King Jehoshaphat. It says, then Jehoshaphat, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. He was afraid. No man wants to be afraid. No man wants to be Listen, man, we, when we're little boys, boys, we, just like you, we, we've, we dreamt of being the hero of the story. I mean, when we're, when we're little boys, we dream of being in the bottom of the ninth. Two outs. Two strikes. Three balls. And here comes the pitch. You're down by three runs, bases loaded, and guess who's up to bat? You're up to bat, and you know what you do, right? Every single time in your dream, you hit the grand slam. You're never the pitcher in the story, are you? No, you're not. You're never the pitcher. Men, we don't want to be afraid. But there can come times in our lives when we're afraid. There can come times in our lives where if we're honest, or maybe we're just alone, it seems, with God and our thoughts. There can be times where we must, we must, we may find ourselves feeling a lot like Jehoshaphat. He was afraid. He felt powerless. He was afraid, and the Bible says this, that he called together all the people. In fact, all Judah assembled. And this is what they did. They did this, to seek help from the Lord. And it says, from all the cities of Judah, they were having men tailgates at all the cities. They, got, they gathered them all from all the tailgate parties in all the cities. And the Bible says they came to seek the Lord. Man, first of all, I just want to encourage you tonight. Listen, man, when, you face, when you're facing that crisis, and that crisis, maybe you're in one right now. If you're not in one, maybe you've already come out of one. Or maybe you're headed to one. You don't even know what the crisis is going to be. Number one, men, seek the Lord in the crisis. Man, admit you're unable to cope with the crisis all by yourself. He says this. He says, he says, Lord, we're powerless, but our eyes are on you. Number two, here's what you do, man. Not only do you, do you admit you're unable to cope with the crisis, but here's what you do. You put your eyes on God and not just your problem. You put your eyes on God and not just your problem. It's amazing that Jehoshaphat then stands in verse 5 in the midst of the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord, before the new court, the Bible says, and he said this, O Lord God, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And this is what he says. He says, you rule over my neighborhood. No, that's not what he says. You rule over my state. No, that's not what he says. You rule over our nation. No, that's not what he said. He said, you rule over all. Everybody say all. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. You know what, man, when you've, got, when you've got a big crisis, you've got a big problem, you don't just need a local God, you need a global God, amen? You need, you need a great big old God. You need a God who can handle whatever's coming your way. And that's what Jehoshaphat begins to confess before the Lord. 
He just begins to cry out to God in prayer. And he just begins to talk to God about what he knew about God. He says, in your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Verse 7, did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham and your friend? You know, he goes on. What he's doing is he's, 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 he's crying out to God in prayer. And he's remembering all of what God has done. You see, he's read his Bible. He knows what God has done in the past. And he knows then what God can do in the present and what God can do in the future. Men, tonight, I just want to remind you that our God is great. He's big, and indeed, he does have the power to save us from our sins. He has the power to see us through whatever crisis, whatever problem we might find ourselves dealing with. You know, sometimes it's hard for men. I think it's especially hard for men. In fact, it's extraordinary, Gordon, isn't it, that this many men's out here on a Sunday night. You're right about that. Mike, your team's done a fantastic job. And you know, you know firsthand it's important for men to recognize, listen, we need the Lord. Because Monday morning's coming. That Tuesday afternoon meeting's coming. That Wednesday afternoon issue's going to have to be dealt with. But men, we sometimes have a hard time seemingly to admit that we're going to need God's help. We want to be the hero of the story. Well, there's only going to be one hero in this story tonight. And it's going to be Jehoshaphat's God. Jehoshaphat, he's crying out to God. You see, you got to seek the Lord. you got to put your eyes on the Lord and not just your problem. I mean, it's amazing to just think about how great big our God is. I did a little bit of research. I just want to take a few moments and just remind you of what God had done for the Israelites. I mean, do you remember back in your Bibles? And it's always why it's good to read through your Bible year to year. I mean, get to know your Bible. Read your Bible. The Bible is so easy for us to access now. Read the Bible every day, at least some part of it. Read the Old Testament, too. Read the New Testament. Read your Bible, because you go back and read the Old Testament, and, and you read about the Israelites being led out of Egypt, and you remember when they come to the Red Sea. Now, there's three to three and a half million people that got to get across the Red Sea. The Bible says they crossed the Red Sea in one night. Now, we hear that in Sunday school. We read that, and we just go, uh-huh. But if they had crossed in columns of two, it would have formed a line. Listen to this now. You engineers, listen to this, 800 miles long. It would have taken 35 days and nights to cross. But to get across in one night, you want to know how big, how big a gap God was going to have to make in the Red Sea? They were going to have to march not two wide, not four wide, not 20 wide, not 100 wide. They were going to have to march 5,000 people wide. That means that God didn't part the Red Sea just a little bit. He parted it three miles wide, church. I want you to know our God, our God can handle your crisis. Our God can handle whatever problem you might be dealing with. It was going to require a camping area of 750 square miles. That's two-thirds the size of the state of Rhode Island, mind you. It was going to require 1,500 tons of food per day to keep them from starving, 4,000 tons of wood for cooking per day. That would have taken two freight trains, each one mile long, to haul in the daily food supply. At today's prices, it would have cost $4 million a day to 
to feed them. And Northam thinks he's had a lot to deal with this past year. It, it, it was going to require 11 million gallons of water for the bare necessities every single day. If you figured one quail to each family of five, that's 750,000 quail every single morning. Two million gallons of manna, by the way, fell on the ground each morning. That is one mess of manna. Men, I want you to know tonight, Jehoshaphat cries out to God, and he knows what God has done in the past, and he knows what God can do in the present. I just want to encourage you tonight, seek the Lord in your crisis, but, oh, you need to know the Lord in the crisis. You need to know the Lord, and you need to get to know him well, and you get to know him as you read the Scriptures, as you get to know the God of the Bible. But then you got to do this. You got to do something that I find happens in verse 13. The Bible says, Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Can you think about what it must have been like for these men with their families with them? And then look at what happens in verse 14. And Mike mentioned how you don't need to be alone in the battle. Verse 14 And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel. Aren't you thankful that every now and then the Lord brings a Jehazel into your life? Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benani, son of Jael, they don't want you to miss who this guy is. They give you his whole biography. He says in verse 15, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and by the way, he looks over at King Jehoshaphat, he says, listen up, king. Thus says the Lord to you, and here it is, here it is, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, at this great horde, and here's and here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to go home with. For the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Men realize that the battle belongs to the Lord. That reminds me of another king. It reminds me of a king named David. But it reminds me of that king when he was but a shepherd boy. And he faced that great big giant Goliath. And he said, oh, this is the Lord's battle. You know, they go on. They go on in this passage. And Jehoshaphat calls the people. He says, believe on the Lord. And you know what they begin to do? They begin to do what you started doing tonight when you gathered after eating all your great food and you gathered around here. You, they began to sing praises just like you men were singing praises. They began to face their problem with praise. Men, it's amazing. They began just to confess that the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, there's something that happens interesting in a football game. Now, in case anybody was wondering, no, I'm not an ex-NFL football quarterback or anything like that, all right? I'm not that. But I have watched football on television. And here's what I find interesting when I watch football on television. You know, you know, when the quarterback has the ball snapped to him and he comes back with it, the camera's on the quarterback, and it seems like the defense, man, there's some of those guys, Gordon, they're bearing down on that quarterback, aren't they? I mean, they're chasing him, and they're coming after him. But then all of a sudden something happens. When that quarterback hands off the ball or when he passes the ball, the camera moves. Those guys that were chasing that quarterback, like, like, like their lives depending on it, what do they do? They just stop chasing him, at least they're supposed to. They just stop chasing him. And that quarterback just, well, it's, he stops running, doesn't he? 
And he just kind of eases up, and he just starts watching and seeing what happens with the ball. You see, you see, you see what he's done is this, is he's handed the ball off what he's done. Men, you know what we need to do when it comes to dealing with the crisis in my life? When it comes to dealing with that problem that I feel powerless over? Well, listen, I might be powerless, but I'm not helpless. God has given me the way out. You know what I need to do? I need to hand the ball off is what I need to do. What I need to do is I need to do what that quarterback does. If, 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 I, want, if I want to realize that I can get out of that crisis, what do I do? i got to hand the ball off. Look at your friend and say, you got to hand the ball off, brother. you got to hand the ball off. Because, you know, you hand the ball off, all of a sudden then it's somebody else's problem, isn't it, Gordon? You know, you, you know what Jehoshaphat realized this, this day? He realized, men, that he can hand the ball off to none other than the one who had parted the Red Sea. He could hand the ball off to the greatest God of the universe. He could hand the ball off to the one and only God of the universe. He could hand the ball off to the King of kings and Lord of lords. He could hand the ball off to Yahweh, to Jehovah. He could hand the ball off to the God who created the sky that you sit under tonight. So, men, tonight, bottom line is this. You got a crisis. You got a problem. Here's what Jehoshaphat would say. He'd say, men, hand the ball off. He'd say, hand the ball off. Hand the ball off to our great God. He can handle it. He can handle it. I wonder tonight if there might be some of us that are just staring at some situation. And maybe, maybe it is fear. And it's something much more serious than running out of toilet paper. Maybe there's something going on tonight, and I just want you to know this. Listen, right, right here tonight, just bow your heads with me for a moment if you would. Just bow your heads with me in prayer right now. Whatever that problem might be, maybe, it, maybe, maybe it's some kind of financial situation. Maybe it's a, a worry you have at work. Maybe it's a decision you're facing. Right now, I want you just to know this. I want you just to realize that the Bible teaches us here that we can seek the Lord. We can cry out to him. Won't you start by handing the ball off? Why not say, God, my Father, I need you to help me with this. I don't know what to do with this, but, Lord, my eyes are on you. And here's, and here's then what you begin to do. You just begin to remind yourself in the Scriptures of who your great God is and what your great God has done. And you just wait and see if, if God in His power doesn't begin to bring praise back into your heart. Father, help us as men tonight to know that you are the one true hero you're the one that we need to hand the ball off to because the battle, ultimately, God, belongs to you. And we ask this in the mighty name of the Savior, of the Lord, of the one you sent to redeem us from the ultimate crisis of all. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Men, you have to deal with crisis in your life. We can try to live through them by ourselves. And quite honestly, you've probably already tried that. It's dangerous. We need our brothers in the crisis, but what we really need is the Lord. 
Remember who owns the battle. The battle is the Lord's. The Lord is available and ready to engage on your behalf. It's time to hand off your crisis to him. So guys, check out the show notes for more information and connections with Dr. Altree, as well as some tools to help you understand how you can hand off that crisis to the Lord. Also, visit noblewarriors.org for updates on our fall tailgate tour. We're hitting the road to connect with guys across the state. We want to point them to Jesus and help them take the right next step. You know, at our tailgates, here's what we say. We eat with the guys, we worship the king, we get sharpened by the word, and we take the right next step. And finally, folks, it would help us if you would give us a review or rating on your favorite podcast platform. But even better, if this message has blessed you, would you share it with someone personally? Send them a link and a note saying, hey, this blessed me. I think it would bless you. Post it on Facebook. Help us get the word out about the Nobleman Podcast. God bless you, folks. 